All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. I don't know why I say have you have your Bibles. You all got your Bibles. And if you've got your Bible, you put it, you bring up your phone, amen. You got your Bible, amen. Luke chapter 11, prayers that reach heaven, or I'm gonna continue my series on day by day. Day by day, I think about five or six times, and I don't know which sermon we're on right now. You might wanna put up the review, but it's day by day, how you know the will of God, experience the will of God, and I got this message from an old preacher, and I was a young preacher when I heard this, from Dr. Gordon Carpenter up on Sand Mountain. We was having a little old um, retreat, uh, a men's retreat. I don't know if we're gonna have that this year or not. I hadn't decided, but I hope we can so we can catch some big bass and catch some fever for the Lord too, amen? But um, he, he gave a little devotion on day by day. The first day by day is found in Genesis chapter 39. We ought to resist temptation day by day. And then we ought to definitely worship day by day. That's the second one, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21. And then last week I got hung up on this for about three messages that we ought to, in Nehemiah chapter 8, I believe it is, verse 14. Day by day, study the Word of God. We ought to yield to the Word of God. And we ought to uh, respect the Word of God enough to come to church and also to listen to it. Uh, and, and live it and heed it and enjoy it and, and manifest it. And that was uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, one of the greatest revivals in history was when he just stood up and he read the Bible. But today, uh, we ought to day by day ask God for daily bread. Now, I believe every day you're out of the will of God if you do not depend upon God. If you do not totally depend upon God to meet your needs. Matter of fact, you're full of pride if you think you can meet your own needs. The reason we do not pray is because we think we can handle it without God. Folks, you can't handle this life without God. I love that song. Thank you, Brother Travis and Miss Leslie, on uh, sheltered in the arms of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you don't know that you need to be sheltered in his arms, uh, then you're full of self because your arms are not big enough. Some other person's arms are not strong enough. We need God, amen? And folks, the reason that we need to pray is because that's how we get in touch with God. That's how we reach up to heaven and get some heavenly power. He stands best who kneels the most. Prayer is to ask what we, uh, what we wish of God, but what God wishes of us. Let me repeat that. Prayer is to ask not what we wish of God, but what God wishes of us. I'll be preaching on that in just a minute. The Bible does not say we should preach all the time, but it does say that we ought to pray all the time. If the world's ever going to get on its feet again, uh, the church has got to get on its knees again. You know, we, uh, we have a, a um, I hate to bring this up, a fellowship meal, everybody in the church shows up. We have a prayer meeting, maybe three or four or five or six, and it's been good lately where we've had the prayer room again. Uh, prayer is the most important thing, Martin Luther said, not King. Martin Luther said this, prayer is the most important thing in my life. If I should neglect prayer for a single day, it would be a, it'd be a loss of a great deal of fire of faith. Prayer is releasing the energy of God, for prayer is asking God to do what we could never do. Let me just give you a few more quotes and we'll get to the Word of God. Prayer is the first thing, the second thing, 
The third thing necessary for a Christian worker. Pray then, my dear brother, pray, pray, pray. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Anchor yourself to the throne of God and then shorten the rope. The only way to do much for God is to ask much of God. You know, we want to preach and we want to teach on prayer, but a lot of times we don't pray. One of the greatest battles you'll ever have is the battle of prayer. It's a warfare. You put on the whole armor through prayer. If the devil can keep you from doing anything, he'll keep you from praying. We live in a technology age. If we would check our Facebook and we'd check our Snapchat and we'd check check our Twitter, Twitter, or whatever it is, and uh, we'd check our screen time, we'd be amazed how much time we spend per week on our mechanisms, our phones. Even kids have them. I wish I'd, have, I wish I'd invested in Verizon when they first came out. Amen? We'd all be rich because I'd, I'd share it. I hope I'd share it. And uh, think, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Teenagers have a sh- cell phone. I didn't. Have, my mother wouldn't give me a cell phone when I was a teenager. We didn't have one. Uh, kids have. Uh, I've, I saw a five-year-old the other day have with a cell phone. Amen. The other day, we a uh, uh, little Silas was visiting with me, and uh, he picked up a, a toy. It wasn't even a phone, but he put it up to his ear. <laughs> and I said, "I wonder where he saw that at. Probably from his papa." But anyway, listen, folks. God help us to get back to praying. To make time for praying. I mean, realize how a necessity prayer is. It's not a luxury. Folks, if we're ever going to have revival, we must pray. And if we're ever going to be right with God, we must pray. Turn to Luke chapter 11 real quick, or real slow, I don't care. And I want us to read about 13 verses. Let's stand on the word of God. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as he, who's he, was praying. You know who he was? It's Jesus. Jesus is praying. And it says in a certain place. I think you ought to have a place of prayer. If you don't have a place of prayer, you probably don't pray as much as you should. And when he sees one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And here's the text. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said to them, continuing thought, which of you shall have a friend that shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is in his journey and has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is not shut. It is now shut, and my children are uh, with me in bed. In the Bible days, everybody slept together. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad that's not the custom today, amen. Uh, I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that 
seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. And if a man shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will you give him a fish? Or give him a, for the, a fish, give him a serpent? Or if you shall ask an egg, and will he offer him a scorpion? If then being evil know how, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that asked him? You may be seated as I pray. Father, teach us to pray. And Lord, teach us the emergency of prayer, the urgency of prayer. And God, help us day by day pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we preach and we pray. Amen. You know, I want to show you this morning that there's levels of praying. Number one, there's the grade school level. In verse one, it's found. It says, and it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, for John also taught his disciples. Now, folks, here's the disciples' prayer. It's really not the Lord's prayer, as some people call it, because the Lord never had to pray for forgiveness of sin. Never. This is an example. And, folks, I don't believe I ought to recite it. As I was a chaplain of a, a lot of ball teams coming up when in my younger years, they always wanted to recite the Lord's Prayer, and I refused to. I said, we're going to pray. Because most of the time, they recite the prayer just as a ritual. Well, this disciple prayer, this model prayer, is to teach us how to pray. Not just the words, but it's what the words mean. And folks, the, the th thing before we get into the prayer is that Jesus prayed. The fact that Jesus had to pray while ministering on this earth it's proof enough we need to pray. Um, Jesus prayed at his, at his baptism. Mark chapter 3, I mean, excuse me, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Before he chose the 12, he prayed all night. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. At his transfiguration, Luke chapter 9, verse 28, we find him praying. Before he was arrested, Luke chapter 22, Verse 40 through 44, he was praying. Hey, guess what? On the cross, Luke chapter 23, verse 46, he's praying. And I want to tell you something. At other times, we see him praying. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. The 12, 12 apostles soon learned the importance of prayer. And folks, I want to tell you this. Jesus is still praying. He ever lives on the right hand of God praying for you. And folks, we need to have a life of prayer. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, he was the Son of God, can somebody say amen? amen. Yet he prayed. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, yet he prayed. He lived a sinless life, yet he prayed. He performed miracle after miracle, yet he prayed. And if you'll notice that, before every miracle, he usually prayed, and after every miracle, he prayed and gave God the glory. And so if Jesus Christ Almighty that walked this earth prayed, how much more do we need to pray? We must pray because we have a sinful nature. We'll never forget forgiveness unless we ask. We must pray because we have a rebellious nature. We'll never submit to the Savior as Lord, as I, as, as I agree with Brother uh, 
Jeremy, it's not lordship salvation, but there ought to be a whole lot of lordship in your salvation afterwards. You ought to grow in your sanctification, say amen. And he ought to be submitted to, but you'll never submit to him if you can't pray. You know, a lot of people say, well, I think the Lord is the Lord of my life. And you don't take 10 minutes to pray. Or, you're, or, or you try to not be a heathen and pray before every meal. <laughs> Amen. And a lot of people don't even really mean that. They're just looking and maybe got a mouthful and saying, Lord, bless this food. I'll never get the time that I was taking a trip and I was, I, I was uh, in the car and I chased the cat all over the place and I was, I was late to preach even, I think it was, and and uh, I finally got all the kids in the car, and we took about about two tur- about five feet. We backed up, and one of the spiritual children of mine says, "Daddy, we hadn't prayed for this trip, so we must not have been going to church. We must have been going at least down to Calhoun." And man, I was all frustrated and upset, and t- chasing this cat. I really wanted to kill the cat, but I put him in the house. And I, I bowed my head, and I remember I said, "Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to eat." And I heard the kids in the back seat start uh, whimpering and, and laughing at Daddy. See, I wasn't praying. I didn't even know what I was praying for. I didn't want to pray. I was in the flesh. But folks, I want to tell you something. That's when we need to pray the most. It's when we don't feel like praying and when we don't feel qualified to pray. We need to pray and ask God to forgive us for our rebellion, self-will. Certainly, we need to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, evidently, In this verse, he said, hey, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. We must pray. New believers will discover soon that, folks, prayer is not a luxury. It is a necessity. A Christian who claims to be getting along okay without prayer is fooling himself. Prayer is like breathing. If you're going to live the spiritual life, you must pray every day, day by day. Step by step, we ought to let God be who he is through us, through prayer. Then second of all, I see high school prayer in this this verse, a little more of a deeper level. We must pray in God's will. We must pray in God's will. Look at verse 2. He said unto them, when we pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. That ought to be the heartbeat of your life, that there ought to be some heavenly blessings through the Holy Spirit in your life. You have heavenly peace, heavenly joy, heavenly purpose, and heavenly power if you'll yield to the Spirit of God. But I want to tell you something, friend. You'll never yield to the Spirit of God until you learn to pray. You need to yield your life to God. A little child asks for, uh, will ask for anything and everything. A little child, an immature child. But folks, when he matures a little bit, he learns what daddy wants. And he asks what the father's will is. The Lord prayer teaches us how to pray. The prayer teaches us how to pray the will of God in our life. Robert Law wrote this. Praying is a mighty instrument, not getting man's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. Someone else said prayer is is not overcoming God's reluctance but laying hold of God's willingness. God's willing to bless you. God's willing to save you. Uh, Let me give you several principles uh, about prayer, praying in, in the will of God. Number one, it's based on relationship. 
When I started this series, and I never thought it'd be this long, and you sometimes, when you come in here and I preach, you never thought it'd be this long. But um, folks, it's based, you know, the will of God's not a road map, it's a relationship with God. God wants you to walk with Him. And God does want you to talk with Him. And God wants you to listen to Him. And folks, that's through prayer. Our, our expresses our relationship to other Christians, but our Father expresses the relationship with God Almighty. And folks, He chose the name Father. And folks, he, a lot of people get a, a, a bad idea of God, that He's some Marine sergeant that wants to run your life and take all the joy out of your life. I'm independent Baptist by conviction, but I'll tell you what I really am. I'm dependent Baptist by conviction. I must depend on God in prayer. I, I need If I'm going to preach right, i got to pray right. I was thinking about this morning. I've been here 43 years. That's probably about 8,000 sermons behind this pulpit of the one we had before and the one was standing sitting right over there. And it never gets old. And sometimes it might, probably gets boring to you, and I thank God for your patience over these years, but I need God. This is not just a speech. This is not based on oratorical ability. I want God's breath upon this message more than anything, and I want him to speak more than I would speak. And folks, our Father, which art in heaven, wants to bless us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to lead us. It's a family time. Prayer is us. There's not a singular, uh, 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 it's all plural here, us and and, and our, and, and lead us. Christians must want the Father's will. And the Father never wants anything that would hurt the family. He wants to bless you. He don't want to hurt you. And folks, selfish prayers will not be answered. James chapter 4 says, you have not because you ask not. We just don't pray. But then sometimes we pray to consume it upon our lust. I've said it often, and I'll say it again. God's not some supermarket ordering service where you go to him in prayer and pick it up in lane five and, and text him that you're there. God's more than a grocery cart boy or girl now, amen? Girl brought mine out the other day. She's, she's stronger than any boy I've ever seen. But anyway, um, we use God as emergency rations instead of daily bread. If you don't believe it, how much more do people pray in the emergency rooms than, than they do in God in your own room? And then second of all, we need to realize that uh, if we're going to have a relationship with God, we need, it involves responsibility. Not just relationship. And thank God prayer is just communing with God. That's the sweetest part of prayer. That's why you shouldn't ever rush into the throne room and start asking your little list of what you want. You ought to praise him for a while. You ought to adore him for a while. Say amen. I mean, you know, you can get down to asking in a minute. He wants you to ask day by day your daily bread. But sometimes we rush in and say, hey, listen, you don't even say hello. You say, I need this. Lord, I don't love, uh, you don't even say, I love you. Just say, I need this. We look for his hand instead of his heart. We need to seek his face, not just his hand. We don't need a handout. We need God. And we need his hand upon our life. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But folks, 
Prayer involves responsibility. What does God want as a result of this prayer? Hallowed be thy name. I'll tell you what he wants. He wants to be glorified. Amen? And I want to tell you something. You pray amiss if you don't pray for the ultimate reason that God be glorified. I prayed for years and years and years for my alcoholic daddy to be saved. And when I started really praying is when I started saying, hey, listen, I don't want this for mother's comfort or my comfort or my reputation or a little ease of the pain and the chaos and the fussing and fighting and houses burning and lost uh, paychecks. I don't want that, Lord. I really did want that. But then God changed my prayer and said, I want him to glorify you. And boy, God started working then. God started breaking then. God started working on mama's life and Diane's life and my life where we could be an example of love instead of preaching to him. And God saved his soul. Seven years before he died of cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, folks, God, really, business picks up when you start praying, hallowed be thy name. Oh, God, not my will, but thine be done. His kingdom come, his will be done. Our Heavenly Father does not answer prayer simply to make life easier. He answers prayer in order to accomplish His eternal purpose in our lives on this earth for His glory. A lot of times we say, oh Lord, I just don't want to be a son of a drunk anymore. I want a normal life. I don't want to be embarrassed anymore. Please, God, relieve me of this pain. God did not call us for an easier life. God called us to glorify His life. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And so, folks, level one praying is as we pray. Level two praying is we pray in God's will. And God's will is precious. Can somebody say amen? I'd rather be in God's will than any place in the world. Yes, I want my daughter's home. Yes, I want my grandchildren home. But folks, more important than that, I want them to glorify God in South Africa more than I want them to come over for lunch all the time or be here for Christmas or be here for Thanksgiving. Folks, listen, sometimes we pray selfishly. But I want to tell you something, praying in God's will will help give perspective to life. What's more important? That's why I think the local church is important. Because Christ gave his life for the church. And there's nothing that takes the place of a church. Amen. There's nothing more important than his church. I'm talking about his family and gathering together. Prayer and the will of God will put a perspective in life. Our Heavenly Father is concerned about every need, but he wants you to relate that need to his purpose. And he'll give you every need according to his riches in glory. Philippians 4, 19. We take that out of context. That's a missionary thank you letter. So if you'll take care of missionaries and give, there'll be fruit that abound, and then God will meet your every need according to his riches in glory. And so the key word in that verse is not meeting your needs, it's glorifying him. But folks, I want to tell you something. He loves to answer your prayers as a big God that's able, that you can go out and say, dear God did this, 
To God be the glory for this answer to prayer. To God be the glory for health. To God be the glory for a job. To God be the glory for the next breath. Or twin boys. To God be the glory. It's not what we want. It's what God deserves. Glory. Glory. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then we see the third level of praying. I call this college level. I didn't know what studying was until I got in college. I thought high school was hard. I got in college, and they, they really require you to do something and write something and show up to class. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! And, but we see in chapter, verse 5, our text give us day by day our daily bread. It ought to just be a part of breathing. I mean, you ought to inhale uh, and you ought to exhale Jesus. And when, you, and when you start losing that breath, you'll thank God for Jesus. And you'll thank God for every breath. But I want you to see college level of praying real quick. In verse 5 it says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. By the way, verse 4, God's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels. If you regard iniquity in your heart, he won't even hear you. So no, no sin is a little sin. The Bible says if you do not listen to the word of God, that your sins are an abomination, or your prayer life is abomination to God. And so there will be a priority of hearing the word of God and heeding the word of God and obeying the word of God. And so the Bible says forgive us of our, of our sins, for we also forgive everyone that indebted us. In Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 11 says if you have a, a debt against, uh, uh, somebody has a debt against you, you ought to go and forgive that sin, and then God will hear you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, before you go to the altar and you remember somebody has an alt against you, you ought to make it right, then offer your worship to God. And so I don't want to overlook verse 4, but i got to go on and tell you that we must pray as children coming to a loving Father. We must, we must get the idea that this prayer is not just telling us to recite some words, but it's telling us how great God is and how wonderful a Father He is, how generous He is but we have not because we ask not, but then we sometimes ask according to our will and what we want, and then sometimes we're not even on praying ground. We have an alt against a brother. We have sin in our life. We put other things before God, and then we rushed into the throne room and say, God, bless me. And folks, that's why he needs to be hallowed, and he needs to be honored. And prayer is just not a grocery list. Prayer is a means to glorify God and to commune with him, and to walk with him, and to talk with him. Our Father, which art in heaven. You know, I say a lot of things negative about my father, but I want to tell you something. He was a hard worker, and he tried to provide. And when he was sober, he was the nicest person in the world. He loved Connie, and Connie loved him. And he was a generous, generous person towards towards all my friends when he was sober. It's just when he was under the influence of that demonic liquid drug that he did some terrible things. But I appreciate my father. I'm looking forward to being with him. Thank God he didn't go to hell. Thank God he went to heaven. And he was forgiven and he apologized to me on his deathbed and he said, son, I love you and I'm sorry that I wasn't a good father. Father. 
But folks, I want to tell you something. If we as evil fathers, and all of us are evil compared to God the Father, can give good gifts, verse 13, how much more can your heavenly Father give you what you need? The privilege of prayer. This college-level praying is that we need to realize who we're praying to. And we need to realize that this parable shifts from friendship to sonship. Look at, look at the parable. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning so you can understand something. He wants you to understand what prayer is all about. And here it is. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, and a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because, because he is his friend, yet because of in, his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now, folks, I want you to see this parable. It's a contrast, not a comparison. And what he's saying is the true praying is not based on friendship with God. It's based on family-ship, sonship. It's based on the grace of God. And this parable could be greatly understood by a lot of people. The Middle East custom is very important. For you understand, in the Middle East custom of hospitality, in the Middle East uh, villages, there was no Motel 6 or Holiday Inn Express. And hospitality was of very high importance. And when a guest arrived, the whole village was involved in hosting that, in that guest. The village, if the village did not entertain him or host him, it was a terrible breach of etiquette and if the guest even refused their hospitality, it was a great sin. That's why a visitor, if he was hungry or not, every time he went to a home in the Middle East in that day, he was offered food and you better eat it. It was an insult to the guest or the host. And so to paraphrase verse 5, 6, and 7, he was saying, can you imagine having a neighbor come at midnight trying to help another guest and they didn't respond, and Jesus would want this response. No, I can't imagine. They'd be horrified that they would not give them everything they needed, not what they wanted, as a good host. And so the Lord is not comparing God to this sleeping neighbor. He's contrasting the two. The Lord is saying if a neighbor on the basis of friendship and social etiquette can meet the need of a friend. Look at verse 13. How much more? How much more will your Father in heaven meet the needs of his own children? Amen? And folks, I want you to see just this contrast real quick. Um, number one, the Father in heaven never sleeps. When they had the showdown at 1 Kings chapter 18 and Elijah was versing the 850 false prophets of hell, they, they were cutting themselves and ranting and raving and praying for a fire to fall from their God of fire. And Moses, uh, Moses, Elijah sort of leaned back and said, hey, maybe your God's asleep. It sounds like a sarcastic independent Baptist. Maybe your 
God's asleep. And folks, they kept on praying and ranting and raving, and he just prayed a simple prayer. And God had the fire fall. Folks, I want you to know this, is that God's not asleep. Last year, you might have think God's asleep, but God's well aware of what we're going through. And may I say this, I don't believe it's over, and I think we've got a long ways to go. I want to encourage you this morning, but I want to tell you something. God's been good to all of us. If you don't believe it, take a deep breath. Now exhale. That was from God. You're here this morning. What a beautiful fellowship this is. I feel right at home. I just There's an excitement in there, beautiful songs. Brother Randy, thank you. We do not pound at the door, number two, to wake God up. He knows our needs before we even ask. So what is this ask all the time and seek all the time and knock all the time? I'll tell you what that is. It's knowing that God is God, but also seeking his will to be done in your life. It's not twisting his arm saying, Lord, I'm going to shame you into to, to, uh, answering this prayer. We pray according to God's reputation, not ours. And he's a gracious God that wants to hear from us. Now, I do believe we need to have persistence in prayer. That's what this is teaching. But folks, I want you to know this. The word importunity means shamelessness. So because of their importunity, he gets up out of bed. Shamelessness. The neighbor was ashamed not to help that neighbor help, uh, help the guest. And folks, I want to tell you something. The contrast, the Father meets our needs because we are his child and his reputation's at stake. And folks, he's a God-answering prayer. He's a, he's a, a prayer-answering God. And he wants to answer your prayer more than you want him asked it. But folks, he needs to get you to a point where you can handle the answer. Or maybe it's not just God's time. I'm always impatient in my prayer life. How about you? I want it now. I've been praying for 17 years, praise God. That's long enough. God, why don't you do it now? I can, I can sound a little dictatorial. Lord, please touch them now. Lord, bring the church back now. Stop this pandemic now. Have you ever prayed that? Now, you probably didn't say it in those words, but I guarantee you it was in your heart, and he knew that. Now, Lord, now. I'm tired of this. Folks, I want you to know we need to be persistent in prayer. But I want to tell you something, friend. A child of God should keep in constant fellowship with the Father, enjoying his love, learning his will day by day. Day by day, seeking his will. And when the crisis comes, he won't be your stranger. He'll be your father. I really get upset with people using God. I really get upset with sometimes, and I'm available, and I would never refuse to preach a funeral of anyone, anytime. And I preached a whole bunch of them this year and last year. But sometimes I hadn't heard from a person in 20 years, and they call me up and say, Brother Wayne, surprised I remember my name. You know, so-and-so and so-and-so died. Would you preach it? I said, sure, I'll preach it. But sometimes in my heart, I said, why, if you want me to preach your loved one's funeral, won't you come hear me preach? 
won't you, you, won't you come to church? And folks, they're really not using me. They're using God in a crisis time. And folks, what we need to do is let every day be a day of surrender and knocking and seeking and, and, and going after his will and loving him and communing with him. And folks, his loving father will give his son everything you need. He won't harm you. He'll help you. Look at verse 11. I'll close. The Bible says, If a son asks bread of any one of you that is a father, he shall give him a stone. Or if he asks a fish, will he give, uh, will, will, for the fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, uh, will he offer him a scorpion? It says, hey, listen, son, if you go to your father, he's not going to give you poison. He's not going to give you a stone. He says, if then being evil, that's all fathers on this earth, know how to give good gifts unto your children. And here's graduate praying. Here's graduate level of praying. We must pray for the best blessings. It says, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Folks, here's the key, and I close. The best blessings come from the Holy Spirit. The best life comes in being filled and controlled by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit even escorts you into heaven and that He knows God's will better than you know God's will. May I say this? He knows you better than you know yourself. And He knows what you need more than you know what you need. We pray for all sunny Beautiful days and full auditoriums like this, and we pray for great fellowship and and fun and and uh, and and just a, a wonderful feeling. But sometimes God knows we need heartbreak. God knows we need a pandemic. God help us. Have we got that far away from God that God has to shake the whole world up? I guess so. I guess so. He allowed it. Didn't catch God off guard. Why don't he cease it right now? He could if he wanted to, but somebody hadn't learned their lesson. And I guarantee to you, America hadn't learned his lesson. We're shaking our fist at God more than we ever have as a nation. We're endorsing same-sex marriage, abortion, and changing your gender. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. If you're a boy or a girl, you don't have to wonder which one you are. God decided that when you were born. God decided that. And it's shaking your fist in God's uh, face when you say, I don't want to be a boy, I want to be a girl. Folks, God knows, God knows that Christian character is more important than your things. Even our health, even our wealth. God knows being like him and glorifying him is more important. And folks, it comes by the Holy Spirit. He said, hey, listen, how much more, much more, you ought to underline that, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And folks, I want to tell you something happens. And by the way, I didn't have time to go into this, but if you'll study Paul's prayer life, he prayed more for spiritual character and endurance and love and obedience and faith and power than he did freedom. 
and comfort. And would they stop beating me, Lord? He never prayed that. Would they stop locking me up, Lord? He never prayed that. He prayed like in Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11, in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21, Colossians 1, 9 through 12, for love. That he'd know the love of God, discernment, maturity, that I'd be like him. He prayed for obedience. He prayed for faith. He prayed for power. Blessings only that the Holy Spirit can give you. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, temperance, faith, meekness. And folks, if you want to get to the graduate level of praying, what you need to do is say, dear Holy Spirit, I don't even know what to pray, but would you lead me into his presence and check me if I'm in the flesh and stop my thoughts if I'm trying to be selfish. And dear God, get the glory from the answer of this prayer. Folks, the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done on this heaven, on this earth, but to get God's will done on this earth. And folks, the purpose of prayer is not for you to be better, feel better, which is all right to pray for these things now. Thank God for them. And there is healing in the name of Jesus. Mentally, emotionally, and physically. Say amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. Sometimes God will bring the bread in. If you don't believe it, ask George Mueller. He'll bring the milk in. But I want to tell you something. All that being said, the greatest level of prayer is when you kneel and say, Dear God, I need your spirit to escort me into the presence of God and lead me in prayer as the intercessor for God that I might know how to pray. And that that prayer, when it's answered, delayed, or you say no, that you'll get the glory. Father, bless this message. God, help us day by day to trust you and your gracious, gracious heart to know you in the fullness of the Spirit of God, to rely upon you, to worship you day by day in prayer. God, we need total dependence. We're too self-sufficient. God, we're self-sustaining, we think. But God, the truth of the matter is, we couldn't take our next breath if it wasn't for you. And we wouldn't know where to go to work if it wasn't for you. And we wouldn't know what to do when we got to that work if it wasn't for you. And God, you gave us our family. You gave us our children. You gave us all the blessings of life. But God, may we through prayer and through a yielded life bless your holy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And dear God, please give us much more than things 
Lord, give us you through your spirit. Give us your mind. Give us your heart. Lord, give us your will. And God, may we yield in prayer day by day. Lord, I believe the daily bread will take care of itself. God, may we be so yielded that we want to give somebody else bread. God, that we want to help somebody else know you. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being saved. God, one of the greatest privileges of being saved is that we can pray our Father, our Father, and you answer our prayers according to your will. God, help us be persistent. But God, help us to be consistent with your will. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know about you, but I'd like to hit the altar right now and just ask God to help me in my prayer life. I don't know about you, but every failure I have in my life is a failure to pray. I don't know about you, but to somebody, they're depending on your prayer life. And they look up to you. And they might not even realize how much they need your prayers. But I would want to be on praying ground more than anything else. So I want you to stand quietly to your feet. And I want you to make your way quietly to this altar. And I want you to pray that God would help your prayer life. If you need it. Now, if your prayer life's where it ought to be, pray for me. Because it's... I need, I need help. I need help. Come on. Who is it that stands in desperate need of your prayer life? Come on. Children, you can come. Teenagers, you can come. I wouldn't even think about getting married until I got my prayer life right. I wouldn't think about having children until I had a prayer life. Well, you're gonna need you're gonna need to learn to pray when you have children. They'll break your heart. They'll marry wrong if you don't pray for them. They'll put other things ahead of God if you don't pray for them. Come on. Come on. Anybody else need to come? I wish somebody would pray for this preacher. I wish somebody would pray for this country. If we've ever needed prayer in the United States of America, it's now. It's now. I'm ashamed of what's going on. How about you? It's a disgrace how God is being blasphemed through the laws of our land. Somebody else before we, before we dismiss in prayer. May I say this as we sing this song. If you're not saved, you can't pray our Father which art in heaven. That's a family privilege. I'd get saved just for the privilege of prayer. If there was no heaven and no hell, and he preached on hell more than 13 times in the Bible, Jesus did. But you'll never find Jesus not praying. He was a praying Lord. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the invitation. Lord, please continue to touch hearts and help us realize how much we really need you. God, may we day by day depend upon you for your will to be done. In Jesus' name.